Whenever it gets to be concert season, I see a lot of posts from directors talking about two things that can easily be thorns in our sides. And those things would be, number one, concert rubrics, and two, makeup assignments. Well, in today's episode, I discuss what these things look like in a typical year and where you can get copies of the rubrics that I use so that your concerts are assessing the right learning objectives. Let's get into it. Here we go. And hello, my friends, to the Choir Director Corner Podcast. My name is Matt Walker. I am your host. Thanks so much for stopping by and joining me for today's episode. Well, recently I saw a post and the question was about concert rubrics. And boy, were the opinions flying and they were all over the place. And this happens a lot during concert season and it's been a very crazy year. Some of us have been able to have concerts and some have not. But it gets me back to the question, what does a concert rubric look like? What should it look like? What are our goals with concerts as far as what we are assessing? And then when it gets to attendance for concerts, what do you do for makeup assignments? And what can you do for a makeup assignment that sort of goes along with the same learning objectives as what you have for your concert, right? Well, I've got a lot of thoughts on these two ideas, but let's take them one at a time. First off, grading students on attendance and or behavior, which I'm seeing a lot of opinions about that people are still doing this, grading students on attendance or behavior. This is something I've gotten away from doing uh, for a few reasons. Reason number one, grading based on attendance and or behavior doesn't give us any real information about the knowledge or the skills of our students. And that should really be what an assessment is telling us, right? What a student knows and what they can do. So a student shows up for the concert and they get full credit. What does that really tell us about what they know and what they can do? do. You know, so they get full credit for just basically showing up. They could do very little other than just standing in the place where they are at, but yet you're still giving them a full credit for an assessment based on simply their physical presence. That's not telling us very much about what they know and what they can do. Your most skilled singer and your least skilled singer could essentially get the same grade when based on attendance. Now, to me, that's not a very accurate representation of what they know and what they can do, which again, I think that's what any assessment is supposed to show. There are other things that we could assess that give us a better representation of the knowledge and the skills of our singers. So that's reason number one. Reason number two And maybe you have seen this, many districts will no longer allow you to grade based on behavior, which to me, I think that's probably a good thing. 
the behavior of the student doesn't really, again, say much about what they know or what they can do. But, and that's a (laughs) giant-sized but right there, much of what would be considered behavior can also be assessed as concert performance skills and etiquette, meaning there are many skills that look like maybe to someone outside of teaching, maybe an administrator, they many skills look like behavior that are actually important skills that singers need to have when it comes to being involved in a performance as well as being involved in rehearsals. These skills include being in the proper place at the proper time, wearing appropriate concert attire, maintaining consistent eye contact with the director while singing, avoiding excess fidgeting while on stage, These are just some of them, right? These items may look like descriptions of behavior, but they are also describing skills that our singers will need when they move on to the next step of their singing journey. So these are the learning objectives that you are assessing through your concert. If I'm teaching middle school, these are all the things that are going to be expected of them at the high school level, etc. Right? If you're teaching high school, you're, these are the things that are going to be expected of you when you get into a college choir, into a community choir. And if your administration says, well, you can't grade based on behavior, your response should be, well, I'm not grading behavior, I'm assessing important standards of concert performance skills and etiquette, which are skills that my singers will be expected to demonstrate as a part of any ensemble that they are a part of in the future. And that's what teachers do in any subject area, right? They are assessing students on skills that those students are going to need when they go on to that next level, where it's going from Algebra 1 to Algebra 2, whether it's going from middle school to high school, right? You're assessing it on things that they're going to need to be successful when they do move on. And it's the same for music as well. Now, reason number three why I'm getting away from grading on attendance or behavior is, especially when working with younger singers, it's quite possible that it's not the fault of the student if they are absent. Now, this idea gets into the issue of grading equity. Uh, As part of our professional development this past spring, many members of our school staff got together to discuss the topic of grading equity, and I'm very glad to have had that experience. How I would apply the idea of grading equity in this instance looks like this. Is it really fair to punish a student for being late or not showing up when their attendance could be totally out of the hands of the student? We don't know the student situation outside of the walls of the school. So to punish the student for something that may very well not be their fault doesn't quite seem fair to me. Now, I'm not saying you can't make being on time part of your assessment. It's an important part of being a performer, for sure, and it is part of my rubric. But in my grading, I have made the choice that a student's grade is not going to be tanked because they are a few minutes late, because I believe that's the more equitable thing to do. Now, in the case that a student is absent, I allow the student to make up that assignment for full credit. 
Again, it may be totally out of the hands of the student whether they are present or not. And that being said, you can believe that the makeup assessment will be extensive, enough to the point where students will not want to be absent if they can help it. A little more on that in just a bit. But this gets back to the question, so what should we be assessing for at our concerts? Now, what you are assessing depends on what your learning objectives are for a concert performance. For me, my concert learning objectives ask students to be able to demonstrate professional performance skills and etiquette. Now, this is important because students will need this knowledge and these skills in order to continue on as a member of an ensemble in the future. And even if they don't continue on as a performer, they also need to know what it means to be attentive, engaged audience members. However, none of my learning objectives have to do with the actual singing from the student. My perspective is we cannot truly assess individual singing in a concert setting. Now, what I mean by that is I cannot truly tell if Mary or Michael are singing with appropriate tone and vowels, or even if they are singing the correct pitches and rhythms. These are things I will assess outside of the concert setting throughout the rehearsal process. So if we are assessing learning objectives that are specific to a concert performance, what many choir directors say is really true that there is no makeup assignment that can truly take the place of a performance. There are many of these things that I cannot really assess outside of the concert setting. All of that being said, those students that are absent should still have a makeup assignment. It's only fair to the other students involved that are spending the time and the energy required of a concert, right? You can't just give these students a free pass. Now, before I move on, two more quick things about the rubric and the assessment that I'm using for concerts. Number one, you must be specific about what professional performance etiquette and practices look like. I see directors where in their line item in the rubric, it's listed as students must behave professionally at all times throughout the concert. Well, what does behave professionally look like? Oftentimes, our students aren't going to know what performance etiquette and best practices look like. So we need to be very specific in our rubric about our expectations and really break it down for them. And that's going to make it easier for you to assess or for them to self-assess as well. Now, to save time in the process, I have my students fill out the concert rubric as a self-assessment. Now, you may be thinking, can you really trust your singers to evaluate themselves? Well, I cover that question with one caveat, that while singers evaluate themselves, I still have the final say on their score if I think they are a little off base in their assessment. So I have veto power, essentially, right? <laughs> and it's funny, I rarely have a problem with singers giving themselves a score that I feel is too high. Actually, the opposite. If anything, I have too many singers that are hard on themselves and score themselves too low. So let's talk about the makeup assignment for a little bit. So what does a makeup assignment look like? 
I am not one to create assignments that are punitive, but I also know that many of us teach in situations where it helps to have a makeup assignment that serves as a little bit of a deterrent for those students that might be thinking about skipping your concert. I also don't want to create something that's going to take a lot of time for me to grade or require extra time outside of rehearsal. While it's difficult to come up with a makeup assignment that covers the same learning objectives as our concert, we can come close. Now, here are a few options. Option one, have the students sing, either individually or as part of a small ensemble, their concert repertoire and write a short essay on what professional concert skills and etiquette look like. I personally like to have students that miss the concert sing through the concert rep as part of a small ensemble. I usually don't have that many people absent, so I will ask other members of the choir to sing through the music with them. Even better, have this take place during class. This replicates the experience of singing for an audience. And it could also serve as a little deterrent for any students that might think about skipping out. In order to cover some of the other learning objectives on my rubric, I will ask the student to write an essay describing what professional concert skills and etiquette look like. In this way, they can demonstrate their knowledge of what it means to be an active, engaged performer and audience member. Option number two, you could have the student attend a different choir concert or watch a video of a concert online and write an essay about what they saw, describing what aspects of the performance could be seen as professional concert skills and etiquette and what, if anything, that they saw was not. They can also write about the concert from the audience perspective. How did the audience act? What did they do that showed that they were being engaged, appreciative audience members? Now, option number three, you could have the student write the same essay, but have them watch a video of your concert. Now, I don't use this as a makeup option as I have my students watch and write a reflection on every single concert as another form of assessment. But if you do not do that, then this is a great way for an absent singer to meet those learning objectives that they missed out on. So those are my thoughts on concert rubrics and possible makeup assignments. I hope that today's episode has given you something to think about and inspired you to dig into what learning objectives you are truly assessing for with your concerts. Now, if you'd like to save yourself a bunch of time and get a copy of my concert self-assessment rubric, as well as my concert makeup singing rubric, I make those available in the resource library of our Choir Director Corner community membership. The resource library has dozens of worksheets, rubrics, templates, and projects to use in your everyday teaching and productivity. There are singing assessment rubrics, lesson plan templates, concert reflection forms, handouts for special projects, and a lot more. You can find out more by heading over to choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. Again, that's choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. Make sure that you check it out. Well, that's it for today's episode, my friends. I hope this episode has provided some inspiration and motivation for you to reimagine your concert rubrics. Keep doing your thing, keep being awesome, and I will see you next week. Hey.
Thanks so much for listening to the Choir Director Corner Podcast. Don't forget to check us out over on Facebook at www.choirdirectorcornergroup.com. Thank you.